Hello everyone to Diplomacy Direct. Uh, today we take up China and the South China Sea and the drumming conundrum around it. Now geographically China is a coastal state next to South China Sea. It means that China not only enjoys exclusive maritime rights and interests in this area under international law but also has a direct stake in the peace, the security, stability, free passage and marine environment of the South China Sea. It has a right to a major role in any South China Sea dispute settlement. As China grows stronger, it is expected to make more of an input, right? And this is beneficial to regional order and serves an international community, including the United States. Now, wherein China's sweeping claims of sovereignty over the sea and the sea's estimated uh, 11 billion barrels of untapped oil and 190 trillion cubic feet of natural gas has more than antagonized competing claimants like Brunei, Indonesia, Malaysia, the Philippines, Taiwan and uh, Vietnam for obvious reasons. And to discuss all of this, so uh, today we have Dr. Pooja Bhatt uh, to take us through the geopolitical ruckus in the South China Sea and the roundup, the reasonabilities and the uh, resolutions regarding it. A uh, quick introduction, uh, Pooja is a researcher and analyst of international relations and security studies. Uh, she's a PhD in international relations from JNU. She was assistant professor with uh, Rashtri Raksha University and researcher at Center for Air Power Studies and uh, Indian Council of uh, World Affairs. And currently she's, a, uh, she's positioned as a consultant at the Ministry of External Affairs at Delhi. So good to have you on our podcast, Pooja. Thank you for having me, Vipul. And it is wonderful to be talking about an issue which is so close to my heart. Great. Thank you. So now China claims historical rights over the U-shaped nine-dash line that stretches up to 2,000 kilometers, that is your uh, 1,240 miles uh, from its coast and includes most of the disputed waters, that is 1.3 million square mile South China Sea, which overlaps with the other six nations that we spoke about. So, are the points of disagreement among the nations really unreasonable for China to comprehend or is it the other way around? Uh, please explain the confusion. Yeah, I think that's a very good background question to start with, or a foundation question to start with. Uh, so as you rightly are, uh, started by quoting that South China Sea is a region uh, geographically surrounded by six countries, including China. So mm -hmm. it's Brunei, China, Malaysia, Taiwan, Philippines, and Vietnam. Okay. And each of these countries have their exclusive economic zones lying in South China Sea, which is 200 nautical miles from the baseline of the coastal state. Mm -hmm. So therefore, we have six countries sharing their uh, exclusive economic zone. And in many areas, these economic zones, EEZs in short, mm -hmm. are also overlapped. So this is the first uh, point. Mm -hmm. Second point is, and which forms the bone of contention is that China uh, 
in 2006 came out with this um you know a map at the un where it showed that uh, there were six uh, nine dashes around this uh, south china sea and most of these dashes actually covered and overlapped the easy of most of the countries mm-hmm. as you can see they unilaterally tried to make or devise something which was not in consent with the other countries one mm-hmm. and second also overlapping the easies of their countries disregarding mm-hmm. not only their neighbors but also the international law per se which which gives a coastal countries uh, rights up to eez mm-hmm. right so this is what the uh, background or the foundation of the entire issue mm-hmm. now the second thing is uh, uh not all see, apart from having a bilateral uh, um uh, issues with china like each country has gone bilaterally to china or vice mm-hmm. versa to resolve their disputes um, correct and uh, at uh, what china is trying to avoid is to have a grouping of countries coming to it so mm-hmm. even when the so you keep on hearing about code of conduct at the asean level that is mm-hmm. kind of which is under consideration since 2002 that mm-hmm. you know these all countries will form certain code of conduct how they will operate in south china sea what will their rules and regulation that had been constantly disregarded or you know pushed away uh, deliberately from for, by china so that you know there is no common consensus among countries on the issue of south china sea mm-hmm. china approaches approaches the entire issue bilaterally so it mm. tries to resolve as it says that it would want to resolve its uh, maritime disputes which each of the asean with either the scs littoral states at the individual mm-hmm. bilateral level yes so basically the uh scarborough shoal with the philippines and then the uh, spartly islands and yes. you know the 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 parcel islands again with you know vietnam, different occupants yeah. vietnam and taiwan yeah. roc so basically yeah. yeah yeah so so uh so looking at that confusion and the overlap right like like you uh, put out so the uh, this also uh has been brought out now you know uh as taiwan is unfolding and everything right so the national security strategy report released by uh trump administration uh since late uh, 2017 yeah um, uh, so basically it sees that the south china sea is uh, important source of uh, us china strategic rivalry as well because uh, it also has uh, close ties with philippines as an ally in the region so is and, and yeah so is taiwan correct and uh, and and though the south china sea issue is temporarily not in the forefront of the agenda for both the nations in event of anticipated taiwan in, uh, taiwan invasion anytime uh, it may open up aggressively uh, and us uh being at the forefront of it right uh, as a yeah. as being a part of cord and you know, so how is so the question is how is uh keeping the south china sea positioning significant for cord in 
countering china militarily and economically hmm. and why is there such a strong interference from the us uh, which is actually not even the party to the dispute right it again a very interesting question uh, now um, we all know that most of the maritime international law is governed by unclos Mm-hmm. Uh, UNCLOS is United Nation Convention Law of the Seas, mm-hmm. which is in um, uh, pictures in 1980. Since it has been signed and ratified by a lo- lot of countries, where even India and China are party. However, mm-hmm. as we all know, that US is not a party to UNCLOS, given its own domestic reasons and agendas. That why it could not be US signed it, but could not ratify it. That ratification happens at the domestic level. Signing happens at the international level. So after mm-hmm. you sign a treaty at the international level, you have to domestic domestically come back and ratify it with your uh, Senate and you know domestic constituencies. So at that level, UNCLOS has not been ratified, ratified by the US. Mm-hmm. Having said that, US is also the only country which has a wherewithal the kind of warships and the submarines and you know mm. uh, aircraft carriers which can go that far across halfway across the world to you know make a position none of the countries like most of the countries do not have that kind of wherewithal to um, take their ships so such farther up, you know in waters for months altogether have their deployment uh, just to show their uh, power and position you know in the water so mm. you having that kind of military power from the us it also exerts the free, freedom of navigation exercises and wherever the countries are seen as overstretching their rights and claims in the maritime mm-hmm. sphere which goes against unclos mm-hmm. uh, or unclos uh there us goes and without asking those countries without any permission they can conduct freedom of navigation exercises mm mm-hmm. Okay, so um, that is the reason why uh, US does it, and it does with most of the countries in the world. It's not only the South China Sea that US does its, um, uh, you know, FUNOPS freedom of navigation exercises and overflight yeah. operations. Now, what has happened is in certain of the islands or. what china call islands uh, in south china sea in spratly islands and scarborough shoal or mm-hmm. parasol islands uh, most of the landforms that i would call landforms and not islands because mm-hmm. under unclos there is a regime called regime of islands mm-hmm. which gives certain criteria why uh, certain formation should be classified as islands mm-hmm. so it it should remain above water during the high tide area the landform uh, it should have some kind of you know economic activity have you know and it sh- should have should support some kind of life form in terms mm-hmm. of you know trees in terms of animals in terms of human beings so if uh, if any landform in present in water can successfully fulfill all these criteria will be only called islands and mm-hmm. right so what has happened in south china sea uh, you, china has occupied certain of several of those landforms mm-hmm. and artificially reclaimed them and also placed human beings in terms of their you know fishermen or their military they come and go and those claims have been used to extend uh, its claim for islands that you know i have my human beings here my army visit my fish, fishermen visit this area so i can very well call it an island mm-hmm. even though it's artificially reclaimed okay and mm-hmm. even, so and when you call it an island island also had so certain maritime rights in certain cases they also can have their easies mm-hmm. 
right? So you can see how claims are uh, developed over the years. <laughs> so what US does is US tries to, uh, you know, take a, take its warships from these islands, uh, you know, in the easy or t- territorial waters of these islands, mm-hmm. showing that these are not islands and these uh, you cannot rule them mm. because uh, under a, a regime of islands, um, they cannot be classified as, as islands. So if they are not islands, then there, there cannot be any corresponding uh, easies to them or territorial mm. waters to them, right? So this mm-hmm. is the entire reason why US does in South China Sea. This is one part of it. Second mm-hmm. part is uh, that China has been very clear since since it has lost its case in 2016 mm-hmm. that uh, it does not interfere with the ships, uh, ship, I am saying the commercial ships mm-hmm. uh, who are traversing through the high seas, the area beyond the, foot, uh, the 200 nautical, uh, sorry, your uh, 24 nautical mile. Uh, and beyond uh, US uh, China does not interfere with the commercial shipping in going in the South China Sea it is when the warships are there or military ships are there China has like issues you know it's uh, the Chinese vessels start showing uh, uh, you know signals and uh, correct, correct. so like the uh, USS Carl Wilson uh, yeah, yeah. showed up or the USS Abraham Lincoln showed up yeah. and basically all the uh, you know Taiwan's air defense uh, identification zone uh, whenever yeah, it was yeah so whenever that was kind of violated so uh, US started to you know yeah. show their might there and then there was a bit of a uh, developing pressure in that area and interestingly, ID, uh, ADIZ also ha- does not have a legal sanctity. Mm-hmm. It was just a matter of practice that US started in sometime in World War II just to secure its waters that wherever it's, you know, um, uh, easies are, they can use, you know, um, unilaterally they can put a ADIZ and avoid other ship, other countries' vessels, adversaries' vessels and sh- aircrafts to come over there. Mm-hmm. It's just the same thing replicated by other countries and China did the same thing in East China Sea in 2013 sometime. Mm-hmm. And now trying to build something of the similar type on South China Sea also. Mm-hmm. So, now so, that we yeah, yeah, so sorry, I just wanted to add one more point. So, therefore, uh, and third point is that it's uh, apart from uh, US, there are other countries whose... Uh, it's a great source of uh, sea line of communication. A lot of countries have their trade passing through. For India also, it's as much of 80 to 90% of its own uh, maritime trade passes through those countries because we have, you know, sellers in uh, Korea and Japan and these countries, even China itself. Mm-hmm. So anything, you know, disturbing that kind of trade is harmful for, you know, the countries who are not even the, to the party to uh, Quad. And that is why you will see more and more extra regional powers, which are beyond these six countries, who are interested in safety and security of South China Sea. Therefore, uh, these countries are coming out with such strong observations and statements in their respective way. Yep. And talking about the safety and security, so basically one of the priorities of the Indo-Pacific strategy is maintaining the US-centered uh, alliance system and the partnership network while China is seeking dominance and excluding uh, US influence in the same region through its uh, BRI right so uh, how can this dispute be 
benchmarked in terms of resolutions regarding global maritime order for the future? Okay, uh, so I'll start with uh, one point that I'll slightly differ in how Indo-Pacific is seen. I mm-hmm. think a lot of countries are considered who um, they consider that Indo-Pacific is a US-led initiative and US-driven initiative against PRI, but mm-hmm. which clearly just starts, it's a very great power perspective, basically, when we see everyone from the great power point of view. So there are two countries, US and China, they have their respective things and either country is going to join Club A or Club B, right? Mm-hmm. However, we do not see that we are the resident powers of Indo-Pacific. We are the countries who are in the region, you know, live in the region. Mm -hmm. So even our perspective of Indo-Pacific should be also considered. So that is why you see this free and open and inclusive, which was one, some of the things that India added. So Mm -hmm. FOIP was something started by uh, late uh, uh, Japanese Prime Minister Shinzo Abe, Mm -hmm. that he wants Indo-Pacific to be free and open and India added to it as inclusive that it should not be only having the great powers into uh, the construct, but Mm -hmm. also it should be inclusive enough to have the smaller countries in the region who have direct stay in the issue of the Indo-Pacific, right? Mm -hmm. So, uh, therefore, uh, that is one part of it. And we have to start thinking Indo-Pacific from more of Indian perspective and uh, our problems and our solutions towards it rather than seeing it from a US perspective. And I think this mm. will give a lot of answers to our questions. That mm-hmm. How do we want Indo-Pacific to develop and how do we want to design it? Now, uh, coming to the second part. So basically, I- like you're, you know, on, on the lines that you are saying that, you know, shedding of dependencies uh, on something like Panama Canal or the Suez Canal, the Strait of Malacca has to be equally uh, made available for all the trading nations here. And if if the South China Sea, uh, you know, the, the, the nine dash succumbs to China, then there is a probable threat to the free trade. Yeah, I'd say so. All the choke points, whether it's Malacca, Sunda, Lombok, or any of the South China Sea choke points, mm-hmm. this, these are open to all the countries trading from there. You know, so it is not under any particular country, and mm-hmm. therefore, and it is a global common, and therefore, it should be should be recognized as a global common that no country can unilaterally overpower these uh, choke points because mm-hmm. important trade passes through it. Mm-hmm. So um, this is very important point to remember about these that these choke points can and and it's not easy to you know uh, control a choke point a, um, you know area control and area denial it's a complex exercise within itself like mm. not all the countries have the wherewithal to you know control and deny other countries. Uh, from a particular region. China can do it, but will it will do more harm to itself than others because it's the largest oil importer in the world right now. If it mm. chokes it and other countries stop supplying oil to it, the Chinese you know, economy will collapse within a matter of days. So China understand that entire, and it's BRI again, dependent upon these choke points. Mm-hmm. Right? So once these, you know, the... Um, 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 road initiate the road part of it is actually the ocean part of the bri concept right maritime concept construct mm-hmm. of it mm-hmm. and the moment uh, china itself blocks it and other countries can re- retaliate and its entire bri model will collapse so china understands that it, it is not that easy to you know choke all these points and it should it's a geo, geopolitically geoeconomically geostrategically more harmful for china itself than for other countries 
So these are the things we need to consider if you break down the entire, uh, you know, uh, thought on South China Sea. Absolutely. So now, Dr. Bhatt discussed all this. According to you, what is going to be the best way forward, uh, whether to compromise, cooperation, confrontation, or conflict? Could you reflect upon each of these scenarios? Yeah, I think this is one of the best questions <laughs> up till now. Why <laughs> not? All the questions were nice because this question um, requires a lot of deep thinking, you know. Because uh, and there is no easy answer to this conflict uh, unless China itself wants to be, you know, resolve this issue. No matter of pressure can allow them. Mm. So compromise. I think the. All these issues go one by one, and I think they will follow one after the another if the you know matters get worse. So mm-hmm. I think what the countries right now under ASEAN uh, code of conduct trying to do is to compromise on the deal that you know uh, whatever the because our code of conduct is uh, not an open document. We do not know much about it in the open except for the fact that China and ASEAN have kept it a deal that uh, no extra regional powers are the are, can be the party to you know code of conduct, so they cannot know what is happening types. Mm-hmm. Till the time is finalized, and maybe even after that. So yeah, what what I'm trying to say is they're maybe trying to compromise. You know, some bits you take some, I do something. You know, in uh, so I think compromise is the first part that uh, these countries were trying will be trying to do. Um, given the point that China, for each of the country, does not uh, has you know uh, uneven playing field with respect to China. Each of the countries are trade dependent upon China. They are smaller in comparative to China in terms of every way economy, in terms of military, in terms of uh, you know socio political standing. Everything mm-hmm. they are on a you know lower footing. So in every way, uh, the ne- their negotiation when they come to nego- on the negotiation table. Uh, the their uh, negotiating power lessens that time, and China plays it that way. You know, mm-hmm. it has been always that way. So whenever, even if it's com- um, it's in on a comparison, sorry, on a compromise table, it mm-hmm. will it will have a higher hand. So that is the first point. Compromise, how China compromises it, and how other countries are willing to take that kind of compromise is the first point. Mm-hmm. Second thing is cooperation. Uh, will happen in certain areas like fisheries, like in biomint, you know, the issues which are transnational in mm-hmm. nature. So they, they have no other, and also oil and gas, you know, if you see that uh, China has been um, coordinating with Philippines when it came to the oil uh, rigs in the West Philippine Sea. Mm-hmm. So they will cooperate on the issues where it is mutually beneficial and uh, and uh, the if there is any chance of um, um, harm to uh, uh, due to the nature of uh, transnational uh, uh, conflicts or conflicts or sorry, issues like uh, climate change issues and if the ship fisheries are depleted, so there mm-hmm. would be the compliment. Confrontation uh, depends upon uh, and what I majorly see would be on the maritime uh, claims and disputes. So if you see Taiwan Strait. Uh, mm-hmm. There would be a chance for conf- confrontation. Uh, if you see uh, each of the bilateral uh, EZs that are overlapping, that China is claiming on their own, and the islands they are claiming their own, and Taiwan on the other hand are claiming their own. So and Philippines, so, so is with the Philippines. So mm-hmm. these are the areas where you know where the military is involved. Mm-hmm. Uh, we will see more and more chances of confrontation. And again, China being taking the highest, you know, the, has the more power in terms of military. 
uh, we will see either um, uh, more aggression coming from china or uh, we'll see these each of these countries developing them militarily more so in the coming years we will see that more conflict yeah, so basically basically oh yeah, yeah please 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 ha huh, a full scale conflict is something which will be a very uh, like nobody would want it and mm-hmm. uh, more importantly china would not want it because it will harm itself more than any other country so mm-hmm. that's how i see if i break down it issue wise so i'll see compromise on certain issues cooperation on certain issues confrontation on certain issues and conflict would be at the most avoided and it would be a protracted you know uh, conflict that would be mm-hmm. so basically on the conflict confrontation and conflict front more on the conflict front marrying the uh, the bri with the string of pearls and the region put in perspective right so that that brings out the you know more of a conflict than to the cooperation and the you know and and strong arming more more than compromise on the six nations end and if uh, you know so i i remember uh, reading uh, hugo grotius uh, mm-hmm. and him enunciating the uh, mer librium on the phonops since mm-hmm. 17th century if he was there today we would have heard i told you so mm-hmm. uh, right yeah. so so uh, anyways thanks uh, dr pooja bhatt uh, joining us on diplomacy direct this was uh, an insightful conversation thank you for having me there were wonderful questions and i hope you all will have more questions for me later on <laughs> absolutely yeah. absolutely thank you so much thank you so much